Hello everyone, I'm Stuart Spinks and this is Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Well, welcome to another podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to join me again for my weekly beekeeping podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about pollen substitute, why, how and when you should feed pollen substitute to your honeybees, if in fact you should feed them at all. Before we get started with today's topic, if I could just indulge in a little self-promotion, you can catch up with all the latest videos and podcasts including also the show notes from the podcasts and my blog plus lots of other content on my website which is www.norfolk-honey.co.uk but if you'd like to get access to all of my content and have early access to both videos and the podcast then please do take a look at my patreon page which is www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And there you'll find lots of different reward tiers that you can sign up to and support me in producing more content for all beekeepers around the world, but also access lots of patron-only content that is going to build up over the coming year. I'm very grateful to everybody who has already signed up to my Patreon page and I look forward to helping all of you with your beekeeping questions as we go through the coming season. So on to today's topic which is all about pollen substitute. I've just actually been out and fed some of my bees with some pollen substitute and they really started to take it down literally as I put the pollen patties onto the top bars of the hives. So I thought I'd just Uh, follow up the video that I produced with a podcast because it's an appropriate time of year to be feeding pollen substitute if that's what you choose to do. So why, how and when should you feed pollen substitute to your honeybees? Unless you've been keeping honeybees for a prolonged period of time it can seem that at every turn there's yet another difficult choice to be made and this is my take on one of those choices, which is whether to feed your honeybees pollen substitute, and if you do, how to feed it to them. Following a long drawn out winter, our honeybees sometimes struggle in the first few weeks of spring. The variable weather, certainly something we get all too often here in the UK, can see the bees explode from the hive en masse, foraging for natural pollen and nectar, on one particularly warm day in the spring, only to be huddled back up in a cluster the next as another overnight frost descends. I suspect most beekeepers will have considered feeding some fondant to their bees at some point over the winter months. Maybe your bees seem to just munch through all of the food stores that you give them as quickly as possible, which perhaps is another reason for considering near-native or native bees, as they tend to be more frugal. Or perhaps you've just got caught out with the amount of food or the length of winter that the bees have had to endure. Either way, adding fondant is a simple process of mostly 
just lifting the lid and adding a block of soft sugar fondant to the bees and then replacing the roof again. But what about pollen substitute? Why would you feed it? And when should you feed it? What does it do? And is there any need to feed it at all? Stepping back to the basics for a brief moment, most beekeepers know that honeybees collect nectar as a carbohydrate and pollen as a protein. And it's this protein early in the season that helps a colony launch itself out of the winter and into that very important growth phase through early spring. In order to produce eggs, the queen is going to need protein and for the workers to produce brood food for the ever-expanding number of young larvae, they also need protein. But that doesn't mean you should just rush out and buy a sack of pollen substitute or start mixing your own concoction. It just might not be necessary. I've often explained to beginner beekeepers who contact me or attend my courses with all things that you do in beekeeping there should be a reason don't just launch into doing something because you read about someone like me doing it or you read it in a book or you heard some old timer in the bee club talking about it and that was what he was going to do you need to think through your beekeeping plans and have a plan of action to follow have a purpose for everything that you do in your beekeeping. So back to the pollen substitute. During early winter, you'll see your bees out foraging, perhaps on ivy, grabbing as much pollen as possible. Storing this pollen gives the bees much needed protein for the long winter period, but also for the late winter and early spring period as they gradually start to build up again. If you're lucky, you'll have early spring flowering plants and trees that will provide a source of pollen for them. I'm very fortunate that here in Norfolk in the UK, we have at most of our apiaries a range of plants such as snowdrops, crocus, hellebores and many others that provide a much needed injection of pollen. But everything really starts to kick in around early to mid-March when the willows start to flower and this is the main source of pollen that our bees have to forage on in early spring. So when would you feed pollen substitute? So where I've chosen colonies that I want to be roaring away as early as possible, I'll give them a light syrup stimulatory feed in early March, and then, having encouraged the queen to increase her egg laying, the bees are going to want more pollen, and so I follow this light feed with the pollen substitute. Timing will vary depending on where you are and how your season is unfolding. And for us, this winter has seen an extended period into early March. But I would say don't be tempted to feed sugar syrup too early. It will simply act as a heat sink and draw away warmth from the brood nest. So you have to judge exactly when you're going to feed. And for the inexperienced beekeeper, I would say it's better to be a week late than two weeks early, as this can have a very damaging effect on your honeybee colony. So here then is the dilemma and also the question for you. Do you have enough plants providing pollen for your bees' requirements during that early build-up phase, or do you need to provide additional assistance? 
What are your reasons for wanting to build up your colonies so quickly and so early in the season? Maybe you have an orchard of top fruits, such as apples, pears and cherries close by. Perhaps there are fields upon fields of oilseed rape or canola next to your apiary that you want to take full advantage of. Or maybe you want to have large colonies to split and make increases for your stock early in the season. These are the types of questions that you need to ask yourself before you hit that place and order button on your keyboard when you're looking to buy pollen substitute. But without doubt, our honeybees will always favour natural pollen over a substitute. But if there's a shortage or the conditions change and prevent the bees from getting out, maybe using a pollen substitute is right for you and your bees. If you only have a couple of hives, then buying a few packs of pre-made pollen substitute is possibly the easiest and best way to go. There's no mess, no fuss, it's simple to use, and little can go wrong. Please make sure though that you buy a well-known brand, uh, a well-known product, that's guaranteed to have what it says on the ingredients label. And also, if you're going to buy pollen substitute that has added pollen, so added natural pollen, then do make sure that it's been treated to make sure that no diseases are going to be passed on to your bees. And of course, with the internet now, there are many different types of pollen substitute that you can buy, and they're available in powder and pre-made forms, and some of them come in both of those options. And so there are well-known brands out there, such as Candy Pollen Gold, Ultra Bee, uh, which is from Man Lake, uh, but my favourite is also available from Man Lake, and that's Bee Pro. And I buy it as a, a sack of powder. It's available in various sizes and is very easy to mix up. And if you check out my videos, you'll see a couple of videos that I've recently posted where I've made up some of that um, Bee Pro powder. Here in the UK, you can buy it online from Amazon, or it can be obtained from the online retailer Bee Equipment. And again, it's available in a variety of sizes to suit all beekeepers. There are, of course, many more types and brands available out there. And I'll put all of the details and links in the show notes to accompany this podcast. I never open feed my bees. That is to say that I never leave any food out in the open for bees from all the colonies to descend on and feed next to each other. I realise the risk of disease transfer may be small, but there is still a risk. And I also object to feeding honeybees that don't belong to me. And where I live, there are so many other beekeepers that I'm sure their bees would soon sniff out the pollen substitute that I had put out for my bees, and they'd be tucking into that at my expense. So having said that I use the powder form, here's my method of mixing that gives me the very best results. As long as you have access to a little sugar syrup, anyone can make up the pollen substitute with absolutely the minimum of fuss. I use a light sugar syrup made up with equal volumes of water and granulated sugar. It doesn't have to be accurate to the nearest gram. You're just making up a sugar solution to act as a carrier for the pollen substitute. To each litre of sugar syrup, I add somewhere between 5 and 600 grams of pollen substitute powder. Again, it doesn't have to be measured to the exact gram. 
anywhere between those two numbers, 5 and 600 grams, will yield a soft paste that remains soft enough for the bees to easily utilise and doesn't dry out so fast that it turns into a solid block overnight. The trick here is to mix it thoroughly and then to keep it well wrapped up so that air can't get into it and dry it out rapidly. I use self-seal food bags that you can buy from any local supermarket, but last year I used cling film or cling wrap, which was just as effective. I've also saved up those plastic takeaway containers with the lids that you get from maybe a Chinese or Indian restaurant. Uh, give them a good clean out, and those are really effective to use as well. The key here is to keep the air out of the soft dough that you've made up to give the bees enough time to chomp their way through it without it going solid and becoming really hard and dry. Once it's bagged up, I can pop them all in a box and take them down to the apiary. And because they're in bags, the weight of the pollen substitute flattens the bags out, which is ideal because I place these thin slabs under the crime board directly on top of the brood frames. That, I guess, is the advantage of using either bags or cling film over the takeaway containers. Those would have to go above the crime board. I like to smoke the bees down from the crime board and on the top bars so that I can give the top bars a quick clean using my hive tool. And then using a sharp knife, I cut through one side of the bag and lay that slit across the top bars of the brood frames to expose the pollen substitute to the bees beneath. This allows many more bees access to the pollen substitute than if you just cut a small hole in the middle of the bag and put it above the crime board. The bag keeps the remaining dough nice and soft and the bees can take what they want when they want without the soft dough hardening and becoming almost inedible to the bees. Finally, the crime board goes back on and then the roof to complete the job and it takes around a couple of minutes to do each beehive. I followed the same processes last year and some of the colonies chomped their way through all of the pollen substitute while other colonies barely touched it at all. So you'll find that you'll probably have a mixed bag of reactions to the pollen substitute. Some colonies will like it and use it and others maybe not so. So that's my take on feeding pollen substitute. It's something that I will do and if you choose to do it too I'd be really interested to hear from you as to how your bees have reacted to the pollen substitute and whether they've used it or not. It would be great to hear from you if you have chosen to use pollen substitute to find out how your bees have reacted to it. If you want to take a look at some photographs of the whole process of mixing up the pollen substitute and then feeding it to the bees, head over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and take a look at my blog post that accompanies the videos that I've posted and also this podcast. We'll catch up next time, but for now, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.